0: After losing 4 of 5, the Bruins right the ship on the road and the Celtics cruise into the All-Star break as the best team in basketball. This is the Press Pass. I am Chris Ryan. The B's and C's dominate this edition of the show. Joe Mazzulla no longer interim head coach of the Celtics as he signed a contract and was named the head coach. ...of the Boston Celtics. We'll hear from Missoula coming up in just a little bit. We're going to start with the Boston Bruins. Coming up a 5 nothing victory over the Nashville Predators in Nashville on Thursday night. That coupled with a 3-2 win over the Dallas Stars, the best in the West, the Bruins find themselves back in command after having lost four of five games. We're going to talk with a couple members of the Bruins right here. Hear more from the Bees coming up a little bit later. We're going to start, though, with Bruins forward Brad Marshand, as marshy has had another quality season. He got the scoring started on Thursday night in Nashville. It seems like you're playing the game with like, a lot of joy this year. Like Before the games, you're getting into it with the guys. and Has this been the most fun you've had playing hockey in your career?
1: It has in a long time. Um, you know, I just, As you get older and, and you go through your career and you realize – I don't think you realize till after how special teams are Um, and the longer you're in it and the more teams you've been on you realize how difficult it is to come across a team like this and a group like this and we we know we have something very special and unique and um, it's a lot of fun coming to the rink every day when you bond with everybody and everyone gets along really well and uh, you know we know we're all so fortunate to play this and uh, it's something we we kind of preach in here is like gratitude and you know you got to have fun with that And, and I think that's kind of where it all stems from and just appreciating every day um you know what we have as a a group and individually and uh you know living in the moment so i think that's kind of where it all stems from
0: at what point did that kind of hit you you know the appreciation factor was it you know going
1: into this year was it during the season was it just kind of hitting a certain birthday you're like i need to it's, it's a few years ago where um you know i kind of looked back on some of the teams and and you know we had some opportunities where you know we thought we were going to make good runs and and we did, and it just didn't come together. And, and every time you, you go through that failure, you realize uh, just how hard it is to win, and, and how much you need to appreciate it. And um, not only that, like just different guys that kind of come and go, and you know you miss those relationships, and you build new ones, and you realize how special it is to have those. Um, and it happened a few years ago. I was just kind of thinking about it all, and um, you know, and then each year that goes by, and you kind of look at the end and, and how close you could potentially be. Um, you know you just wish that you had been able to change little things or you had not taken some things for granted and um you know you just learned that each and every day we're, we're lucky finally just how would you define the leadership structure with
0: this group we have new guys coming in all the time younger guys getting bigger roles yes. Like, how, how do you define
1: you know what your role is where you get this team going how obviously Berge leads this group yeah yeah he does um you know that's something that the team's always taken a lot of pride in is, is having a really good leadership core and, and bringing guys in that uh, complement and, and also can grow into those roles and um, you know, I think we're seeing that we're bringing in guys like Fliggy and um, you know, Kretsch coming back and passing Chuck and Carlo moving into that role now and uh, you're just seeing like a constant turnover of guys learning to play the right way and, and to build from uh, off the ice and attention to detail and then it kind of just bleeds into their game and um, so, you know, each year guys take a little bit bigger step and roll, and and, uh, and that's where they learn, and you can only learn by going through it. It doesn't matter what guys tell you or, you know, or what you, you hear. It's, you have to go through it to understand different situations and how to respond and how to deal with certain things. Um, and Berge, I mean, you can't learn from anyone better than Bergy, so it starts with him, and, and we all learn from that.
0: One of the major reasons for the Bruins' success this year has to be their new head coach in Jim Montgomery. Montgomery has given players Lele to make more mistakes, and I was wondering what changes he's made considering the fact the Bruins have such tremendous veteran leadership as we're talking about there with Marshy. What are the biggest adaptations, if any, that you've made coaching this group compared to previous stops?
2: Uh, Good question. Um, Probably take a a long time to go through all the the things but I think um, one has been I do less um, because of the trust I have in the leadership Um, and it allows me actually to do more as far as structure and X's and O's so I I, I feel like I have more time to do what coaches love to do which is um, come up with a real good game plan for the players to execute and um, it because they're so good at execution and effort you know quickly if your plan's working or not so it makes it easier to do adjustments um so because of them being so professional and such a good group of professionals and leaders it makes your job a lot easier as a coach
0: Did you anticipate that coming in knowing the names and the pedigree or did you find that out along the way
2: no i did you you heard about it you heard about the bruins culture you you know i was fortunate to work with tory krug for two years and i he's a very intelligent player picked his brain a lot and when i got the job i picked his brain a lot and as much as he described it as good as it is it's better than i thought so it's like you know you you go to see a great movie and a lot of times you come disappointed because you expect everyone loved the movie and you didn't think it was that good well the movie's better both freddie and Jacob talked about one of the things i
0: like the most about you is you let them make mistakes um where does that come from and and is there kind of a line where you're you're here like yes i'll let you make this many mistakes or so
2: forth you're full of good questions today i'm not, not trying to <laughs> but it, it is because i've always believed you the team that makes the most plays is going to win um and it's a fine line of how much you do like when we analyze our first half of the year, an area we need to clean up is turnovers. Now, if you're harping on turnovers all the time, you don't score as many goals as we scored. So, But we have to recognize when there's time to make a play and when there's not. That's, that's what we're trying to improve upon because we, we sit somewhere like 15th or 16th in the league and odd man rushes against. And that's not good enough if we want to be really effective coming down and stretch and in the playoffs. So we're starting to talk about that more, but we don't talk about, I don't like using the word turnovers. I like using the words, where is the open ice? Where can we possess? And is it behind them or in front of them? And that's where our players, if we show enough film, we think they're going to learn because we have a very intelligent hockey team. Trent Frederick tallied
0: the final goal for the Boston Bruins in their 5-0 victory over the Predators in Nashville. He now has 11 on the season. It's been by far his best year in the National Hockey League. He's now playing center on the fourth line. Here's my conversation with Trent Frederick. Is the Bruins, prior to the two-game road trip, we're focused on simplifying their game. Uh, thought they were overpassing too much in the Capitals game from last Saturday and during the times period uh, where they'd lost four out of five games. Talked with Trent Frederick about that. So, Trent, a lot to talk about this team needing to simplify its game, kind of get back to its roots. I mean, what does that mean to you? Uh,
3: I mean, I guess kind of just like uh, – I mean, it is, like you know, in the word simplify, but just, you know, getting pucks kind of uh, in and like when we play, like, I hate these are like, a simple game in, in the sense of like, like oh, having those turnovers around the blue line, you know, reloading and playing behind the net, I think is when we have that ozone time, uh, you know, you don't have a play, you're putting it behind the net, protecting it is kind of where our bread and butter is as a team.
0: So I think that's kind of what it is. Monty was referring to the Washington game as kind of an eye opener for him, and that he thought that you guys would have won that game a month ago, but they were more physical. They had more desperation than you guys, and as a result of that, they ended up having success. How does a team get to a place where you're playing more desperate hockey, like teams that are trying to get into the postseason, when you kind of know where you're going to end up?
3: I think, like you know, we still have what 30 games left, so. Um, we still got to make the playoffs, and we want to be, you know, at our peak when we get into the playoffs and playing our best hockey. It's hard to just like turn it on in this league, so just kind of building up all the way to that point, I guess.
0: And when it comes to you know this team getting back to its identity, particularly in the offensive zone. There's been talking about simplification, getting more pucks to the net, uh, not passing as much. What's the balance between you know, creating good zone time, cycling the puck, and making sure that you're getting kind of the better grade A opportunities and, and uh, capitalize on them?
3: I think a lot of it is like uh – He's kind of having someone in front. I think if you look at a lot of our goals at the beginning of the year, there's always someone in front, uh, either getting you know picking up loose change or just you know getting in the way of the, the goalie's eyes just for a second. Uh, I think we kind of need to get more into that and like getting more guys kind of in those what people call dirty areas, but kind of in between the uh, I guess the dots.
0: And when you have so many you know, scores, and you're obviously looking for you know opportunities to move the net minder side by side. Obviously, you guys will, will move the puck a little bit more. But I think back at one moment with you with in the first period where you had a, a shot in the slot and you kind of passed off to Marshy because, yeah. yeah, it's Marshy's one-timer. like yeah, That's an yeah. obvious thing. Like, how do you kind of find that balance?
3: Yeah, I mean, for myself, I'm a shooter, so I should probably have shot that. Uh, just at that moment, I thought I could – you know, go back with it. it didn't work out. So, I mean, you know, it's definitely when I went back, but that's kind of something I guess our team as a whole is probably doing. And, uh, you know, I was guilty of it there.
0: How has this group missed the guy to your right over there in, in Jake Dabrask, where you've played without some really good players. Brad Marsh in early in the year as well as Charlie McAvoy. Uh, it seems like his presence though has been missed and speaks to probably how what type of year he's had.
3: Yeah, I mean, he's had a great year. I think you, know, you put Nose's name in there too. Uh, missing Nose as well. He does a lot of the, the dirty work and you know JD's uh, has a lot of energy and Brings a lot of energy every night, so it's uh, you know we miss yeah,
0: it, obviously. Bruce had a unique theme to this most current road trip as they were allowed to take one sibling with them on the journey. Patrice Bergeron and Brad Marchand brought their brothers, while Charlie McAvoy brought his sister Kayla. Just how important are things like this to keep things moving throughout the course of the season? How special to have your sister on the road
4: trip? Yeah, it's unique. Um, this is the first variation of this that, that I've seen with getting the siblings involved, which is, makes it uh, even more special. Uh, you know, it's a grind during the season, you know, as everyone knows, so it's nice. This is a nice little, you know, mental, uh, well, I guess a chance to, to freshen up and to have her with me, um, an opportunity that, you know, I would have never thought we'd have. what's it mean to you to be uh, traveling with him?
3: It's crazy exciting. It's kind of a throwback. It reminds me of, like, coming along for the ride for all those weekend tournament trips, but it's a lot bigger stakes now and a lot more fun. fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a lot more to do. It's really cool. It's really exciting.
0: What's your best random road trip memory, you know, growing up going to tournaments? Places you went?
4: Uh I I don't mind you got one. Yeah, All right, mine, you go mine, ahead.
3: Mine would be Quebec when we went to Quebec because really cool. it was I actually it was on my birthday. It was my 13th birthday, so I, yeah, I ate poutine every day. That's, <laughs>
4: <laughs> I was gonna say the the Bell Cup, like right after okay. Christmas, so it would always be like the day, like Christmas Day. You spend it at home, and then first thing the next morning, we were on our way to Ottawa. It was a tournament up in Ottawa, uh, Bell Capital Cup, and if you made it to the finals, you got to play at the. The Bell Centre, which is now what Scotiabank, I think, I changed the name. But we made it to the finals one year, so we played. Like it was my first time ever on NHL ice. and The whole family was there, and uh, it's like just that best time of the year too, right after Christmas and New Year's and stuff. So it, that, that I used to look forward to that tournament, and we got to win it, so that was fun. Still have video? You like yeah. scoring a goal there, right, or something? <laughs> yeah, <like> I do. I <laughs> do. Oh yeah. We would watch that. We had it on DVD. Well, they had a DVD. Yeah, we had you could a DVD like buy of it that right game. after the game was over. You could buy it.
0: It's a cool story there from uh, Charlie McAvoy and his sister Kayla. And how much can sports parents identify with all the traveling to tournaments, whether it's for hockey or baseball or basketball, all the sacrifices that siblings and parents make uh, to get their kids uh, to where they want to go in regard to sports. Check in on the Bruins record-wise at this point. Bruins atop the Eastern Conference, not just the Eastern Conference, but the entire NHL with 87 points. Bruins 41-8-5, eight 86 to the good when it comes to goal differential. Boston Celtics, not quite as dominant as the Bruins when it comes to their supremacy in the National Basketball Association, but the Celtics do have the best record in basketball. They were able to secure that with victory over the Detroit Pistons on Wednesday inside the TD Garden. It's now the all-star break in the NBA. Celtics at 42-17, and 17, just a half game ahead of the Milwaukee Bucks, who almost lost to a Celtics team that was incredibly depleted on Tuesday night in Milwaukee, Uh, The Celtics again, 42 and 17, best in the West. Denver Nuggets at 41 and 18, a game off the pace of the Boston Celtics. so Celtics had seen enough from Joe Missoula to make the determination that he was going to be their head coach, not just for the rest of this year, but also into the future. Brad Stevens, the Director of Basketball Operations, removing Missoula's interim tag and making him the head coach and signing him to a multi-year contract extension. So the 34-year-old has impressed. Celtics are the best in the NBA record-wise, and... I've been really impressed with the Celtics and how they've dealt with this adversity as of late. They've had some of their biggest wins against the Sixers, against the Grizzlies, and nearly against the Bucks without Jalen Brown, without Al Horford, uh, without Marcus Smart. Smart and Tatum returned on Wednesday, but neither played on Tuesday when the Celtics took the Bucks to overtime in Milwaukee. One of the big reasons for their success, whether it was on Sunday in the victory over the Grizzlies or as a whole, was the Eastern Conference Player of the Week, Derek White. I asked Joe Mazzulla about White's impact and also how Mazzulla has grown into his role as head coach. Joe, in what ways did Derek White? affect the game for you guys tonight what do you think of his performance uh,
5: his ability to <coughs> execute different pick and roll coverages for us I uh, did a great job on both Moran and Bain um, and then when he's the pick and roll ball handler we're able to uh, attack different matchups you know we can attack switching because of his ability to drive we can attack drop because of his ability to get downhill and, and make the right play and uh, we're able to play some small small so um, you know he was well-rounded today
0: In what ways do you feel that you've grown as a coach kind of throughout the course of the year? What are the biggest uh, steps you've made forward in terms of dealing with the players and all the things that come along with the position?
5: Yeah, I think just managing um, the locker room, managing the game. Just, um, you know, there's, like I said before, every game breeds an opportunity for me to go back and say, hey, I could have done this, I could have done that. Every situation that you're in, whether you win three in a row, lose five out of six, three in a row, just another opportunity to kind of, grow into, you know, what your coaching identity is and how you're going to handle each situation and then just kind of adapt as you go.
0: Here is the Eastern Conference Player of the Week, Derek White. Derek, playing obviously without Jalen and Malcolm and uh, Marcus, is a opportunity for you to have the ball in your hands. What was kind of in your mindset, Ben, during this this time period and how have you made your mark in your view? Um,
4: I'm
5: just trying to tell myself just to, to – uh... Have good energy. I mean, I feel like when I have good energy, whether they're in or not, um, I'm able to do some good things out there. So um, just tell myself that before every game, just bring the energy and then um, make shots, miss shots, just
4: make the right play.
0: Over the past week, the Celtics have gotten huge, impactful performances from their bench. Sam Hauser, one of those guys who has really stepped up for the Seas as he had 20 points in the game against the Memphis Grizzlies on Sunday and 15 in the game against the Milwaukee Bucks on Tuesday. Hauser and you, know, you could point to a number of Celtics players who have stepped up over this time period, but his ability to shoot the three Mike Muscala's ability to shoot the three. Celtics, for years, were looking for that guy, that guy they could rely upon you know, to be out there and stick threes consistently. Now it feels like they have a number of those guys. Daniel Gallin- Gallinari was signed to be that person, but he's been injured throughout the course of the year, and Hauser's kind of stepped up into that role. Malcolm Brogdon has been even better than advertised, and you know, now you have those three-point shooters that could be Really important in spreading the floor, allowing room for Tatum and Brown to operate and also uh, to provide that added punch that that stops runs, that increases runs uh, when you can shoot the three-pointer on a consistent basis. As I mentioned, Brogdon has been absolutely huge for the Celtics. You look at his points per game, 14.7 assists, 3.7. He has been an extremely efficient player uh, for the Boston Celtics this year but uh, let's talk with Sam Hauser right now after a couple of strong games for him which allowed the Celtics to be competitive in a time period in which maybe they shouldn't have been in defeating the Philadelphia 76ers and the, uh, the Memphis Grizzlies two of the best teams in the NBA during a time period where they were without some of their bigger names playing without two some of your top players for the last couple of games what's gone well in order for you to be able to obviously play without them and have success against two of the best teams of the league yeah, I think just trusting one another. Uh, you know, we have a really good team
3: from top to bottom um, all the way down to the end of our bench. You know, we have really good players and guys who have experience in this league. And um, I think everyone brings us a different type of skill set to the table. And I think it, it's unique and, it, and it's hard for teams to guard when we're out there. And, um, you know, we just feel like we moved the ball really well. Uh, we, we were connected on defense and, and – Guys are talking, communicating, so I, all that added up together is, I think, a big reason why we've been winning without some of our guys.
0: Sam Hauser, right there. Celtics at the All-Star game in Utah. Uh, Joe Mazzulla will be the head coach of Team Giannis. The way they're doing it this year is going to pick teams just prior to the game. Teams haven't been announced as of yet. Jason Tatum's going to take part in the three-point shooting contest. Jalen Brown out there as well. He's not played in about a week since breaking his face, fracturing a bone in his face uh, from a Tatum elbow that occurred against the Sixers last Wednesday night. But uh, Brown did make the trip out for the all-star game. So the Red Sox opened up spring training. Pitchers and catchers have reported. And, you know, it's been interesting to hear some of the comments coming out of spring training. Alex Cora looking to, it would appear, downplay expectations for this year, noting that there's good reason for reporters to be picking the Red Sox to be last, given that they were a last place team uh, last season, while Heim Bloom has been much more optimistic in his view of the Boston Red Sox. So, boom went first, he kind of raised expectations, and Alex Cora said, whoa, if we don't do all that well here, I don't want to be the guy that gets blamed for this. I don't, and kind of downplayed uh, the expectations of this Red Sox team. And, you know, let's be honest. Folks You know, who are not optimistic have ample reason to not be. Uh, when you consider the fact that Xander Bogarts left and the Red Sox did not make him a competitive offer, uh, and the theme that exists with the Red Sox not paying their own players—you know—obviously seeing Mookie Betts get traded now, Bogart's leave has left a lot of fans, you know, wondering if they're going to go to games this year. Now, winning would cure that, of course, but there's you know significant questions about whether this Red Sox team is going to be able to win. You know, I look at the bullpen, I look at the starting lineup, I look at the starting pitching staff, and everything seems to be, you know, at least okay there. The big concern I have is what type of fielding team is this going to be? Are they going to be able to, you know, support the pitching staff? Are they going to be able to grab, you know, a couple key plays here and there to change the trajectory of a game? And I don't know. Like, I don't know what type of fielding team – this is going to to be, and I'm not overly optimistic about how good they're going to be in that particular area. I mean, I can trick myself into thinking that the lineup's going to be okay, and I can trick myself into thinking the starting pitching staff's going to be okay. I think the bullpen is going to be good, but you know, on that side of the game, the fielding side of the game, I'm just not there you know, with this team. The Red Sox starting pitching staff is going to be heavily reliant on individuals who have injury history. You know, Chris Sale. Looks like all systems go for him at the top of the rotation, but you know, history uh, is not on Sale's side when it comes to freak injuries, accidents, and being able to be healthy throughout the course of a season. It usually seems though there's some reason that he's not able, you know, to be there. He is at the top of the rotation. He is the masthead, you know, for this team. Garrett Whitlock is coming off of a hip injury. He's obviously been dominant during his time as a reliever, but that did not translate to the starting rotation last year. Corey Kluber looks like he will be a you know, decent starter for the team. Brian Bale has you know the ability to, I think, be a really quality starter in the league. And Nick Pavetta is going to go out there and eat innings, it appears. That's kind of his M.O. throughout his major league career to date. So... That you could talk yourself into the Red Sox rotation, giving you a chance to win each night, but is this team going to, you know, score runs? Are they going to hit the ball out of the ballpark? Is a 38 year old uh, Justin Turner going to come in and be successful? You know, in the middle of the lineup, I think there's still a lot of questions. And you know, David Ortiz had a really good point in regard to Devers. What incentive is there for you right now as an opposing team? To give Devers anything to hit. Devers has a history of expanding the strike zone, and I don't think he's going to see a lot of pitches you know, in the strike zone. Who is going to hit behind him? It looks like it's going to be you know, Justin Turner at this point. Um, and are folks going to be motivated to pitch to one of the best hitters in the game when you have a good hitter behind him? I think the answer is no. So I, I'm not sold on this Red Sox team being a good team, particularly in the context of that division. The Yankees are going to be really good. The Blue Jays are going to be really good. The Orioles had a really good team last year. The Rays, despite what they have on paper, end up being a good team every year. So where do the Red Sox fit into that? You no, know, Any average fan can look at it and say, probably last place. Same place they were last year because they don't feel the team is as good this year as it was last year. So that's the feelings around the Red Sox heading into the 2003 season. That's going to do it. that be the 2023 season. 2003 would be 20 years ago. That's going to do it for the Press Pass. I am Chris
5: Ryan.